Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Thanks for coming. You could be sleeping in your dorm room right now or avoiding schoolwork by binge watching a show or something like that, but you're here and I'm thankful that you're here. And uh, RUF, what is RUF? RUF is a community. So we want to, RUF to be a place where you can know people and be known and you can uh, live life. Uh, with others, and we're a Christian community, which means that uh, we look to Jesus uh, to define what community is and to define and even empower us to love uh, one another and grow into the people we were meant to be. Uh, And as a Christian community, that means also that everyone is welcome, uh, regardless of background. And so um, our hope is that some would come and be able to answer uh, and ask honest questions about Christian faith. And um, we sort of hope that others uh, that are already Christians would come and find uh, rest here, would find community here, would find nourishment and be challenged and even serve and grow here. So uh, that's what RUF is about. And... Uh, we do small group Bible studies throughout the week. Uh, I and myself and Jonathan and others love to meet up one-on-one to just know what's going on and live life together. And uh, each week we come together uh, primarily uh, to have fellowship and to look at a passage of the Bible together. And uh, we're going through the series in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, so far we've kind of seen like the intro to Jesus's ministry uh, it's this just account of Jesus's ministry. It's all that Mark is. And uh, this is the point where things start to get going a little bit. And so uh, I'm going to read our passage. It's from Mark chapter 2, uh, first 12 verses. So uh, follow along with me. Uh, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Jesus was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door, And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things uh, in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Uh, Let me pray for us again. Uh, Father, as we come now to your word, 
we need your help to make sense of it and uh, to change our hearts. So we pray that you would uh, guide us and change us through your word as we look at it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I wonder what you think the most common answer would be if you like, went around asking people, like, how do you connect with God? Uh, I want us to think about this question of how we connect to God um, for many reasons. One of the reasons is we often feel disconnected from God. And uh, if God is real and God made everything, then it would be important that we be connected to him. And I think if you ask that question, a lot of the answers you would get would be like, well, you need to, to connect to God. You need to get away somewhere or you need to center yourself or I don't know. There'd probably be a lot of different answers. And I think uh, if, if you've been a Christian, maybe you've had what we might call mountaintop experiences where you felt very connected and there's other times where uh, not so much. And so I just want us to think about this idea of what this passage has to say to us, this short little episode in Mark's gospel has to say to us about how we connect to God. And we see it in this interaction with this paralytic. And what we see in this interaction with the paralytic is that uh, we're going to look at kind of three things uh, that we learn about connecting to God. And it's that we connect by faith. It's that we connect to God understanding our problem. And we connect to him by... Receiving his solution. So by faith, understanding our problem and receiving his solution. Uh, so by faith, we connect to him by faith. Uh, this, at this point, uh, Jesus has been healing people and teaching about God's word in this region called Galilee. And he's back in his, what is currently his hometown, which is called Capernaum. And a, a massive crowd assembles at the house he's staying at. Uh, it's, it's just packed. You know, no one can get in. And he's, he, it says he's teaching them. Uh, okay. And uh, <laughs> the roof starts to crumble <laughs> while he's teaching them. And uh, that's what happened. Like, I don't know what you picture when you picture these guys like opening up the roof and letting a paralytic down, but, like, they didn't have nice roofs back then. The roofs were probably made of, like, mud and straw and who knows, sticks and stuff like that. And so to remove the roof would be, like, a mess, right? So, like, it's like he's teaching and stuff just starts falling from the ceiling and it's packed in there. So, like, we need to picture kind of a scene of chaos. And in the midst of that, so that goes on, and it says that Jesus saw their faith the faith of these guys. And I want you to think about that. Like, this is, that's what faith, and Jesus is saying, like, that's faith. What you guys did is faith. And I want us to think about what we can learn about faith if these are the men that are demonstrating it. And uh, ignore the sounds coming from that club over there. It's a good thing we're only in this room this week. Um, But if you've ever been, if you've been around RUF a lot, you've probably heard me use this illustration of Uh, It takes faith to sit in a chair. And what I mean by that is that uh, anytime you sit in a chair, you're exercising faith. Because when you walk up to a chair, you look at it and you say, like, you don't actually say this, but you think, like, it looks like a chair. It looks like a decent chair. I think it's going to hold me up and you sit in it. And uh, it's an act of faith. You don't know, like, beyond the shadow of a doubt that someone hasn't, like, sawed the legs or anything like that. But you think, like, so you use reason 
what you know about the chair, and then you sit in it, which is an act of faith. And the thing about it is that it doesn't matter how you feel as to whether it will hold you. So you can be sitting in a chair terrified, or you could be sitting in a chair confident, and that makes no difference in whether or not the chair will hold you up. Okay? Because faith is about the object more than it is about like this sense of uh, how we feel. You know, it's more than about how positive we feel in the moment. And I want you to think about these men, these friends and the paralytic, uh, as they interrupt Jesus by burrowing through the roof of this like crowded house that he's in, right? It's, they probably didn't feel centered, right? They probably didn't feel like, oh, this is so great, but uh, at the same time, it's this very powerful act of just like literally falling on Jesus, right? We wouldn't call their faith perfect, you know, they're not like probably super feeling great about what's going on. They might not get all the ins and outs of who Jesus is and what he's all about, but this paralytic is falling on Jesus. Uh, Faith is not abstract. It's not like Blind faith is not a real thing. Faith looks at Jesus, what he's done, who he is, and then faith throws, you know, you throw your weight on him. Uh, so if God seems far to you tonight, like if you, if you think like, you know, I'm not connected to God very much, or it's been a while or something like that, uh, there could be a lot of reasons for that, but the first thing you need to ask is, am I coming to Jesus like these men? Like, am I coming to him? Um, you know, am, if, if you're staying away from church and you're staying away from Christians and you're staying away from the Bible and you're staying away from prayer, uh, it's not likely that you'll ever feel connected to God. Uh, but the second thing you want to think about is, whether, you know, when you think about whether or not your faith is in Jesus, you need to think less about whether he makes you feel great or if you're feeling good or warm and fuzzy and instead assess, am I in the chair? Am I in the chair? Like, can I obey? Can I listen to him when he tells me what I don't want to hear? Or can I be associated with him if it makes me look silly or stupid? Or can I allow him to be the one who decides my life instead of keeping him on the fringes of my life. Uh, And if your faith is not in Jesus, if your faith in him is weak, the solution isn't to try and muster up faith. It's not to try to like dig deep within to find faith. Uh, The solution is always going to be to look at Jesus. Look again. If you're having trouble with faith, the best thing you can do is look at him. The solution in scripture is always look again at Jesus. This is why we look at the Bible each week in RUF, because we see Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And if I don't see him, faith is challenging. It it doesn't work. Uh, So these men uh, have seen something in Jesus. They may not understand all that he is, but he's, you know, it's like he seems to heal people. He seems to be compassionate. And our friend really needs to be healed. So let's go for it. And we're going to get an even fuller picture of Jesus as we continue to look at this. So that's number one, by faith. Uh, We connect to him by faith. But secondly, we connect to God by understanding our problem. And this is where it gets interesting because 
the man and his friends are finally in front of Jesus, and they're probably thinking, like, this is it. We made it. Like, how did this even work? But it did. And Jesus says, instead of healing the man, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, why would Jesus say that? What is Jesus getting at? Uh, I have a friend. Uh, he's much older than me. Uh, and a while ago, uh, he told me this, what happened to him at the doctor one visit, which was that he, came, he went to the doctor because he was tired more tired than usual. And he said, I should go to the doctor and get this checked out. And so he did, and they did some blood work. And the result of the blood work was that he had leukemia. Uh, So uh, he has cancer. And I want you to think about that experience of going to the doctor because you're tired and finding out that you have cancer. Like the, the appointment is no longer about tiredness, right? Like, the appointment has now become not about how do I get less tired, but how do I get rid of this cancer that is going to kill me if something doesn't happen, okay? This is a man who's got a big problem. Like, he can't walk. And there are no motorized carts in this time. So if you can't walk in this society, you are, you can't do anything like you have a horrible life yet jesus sees a bigger problem than what he and his friends see he sees the source of it Uh, when jesus forgives this man his sins what he's doing is he's teaching that his main problem much bigger than the the paralysis is that his sins have alienated him from the god he needs to be connected to uh, the paralytic is alienated from the one that created him to, be, to know him and love him, which makes life completely... If you don't have that, life is meaningless. And every other problem is secondary. Uh, I want to think about, think about your own life for a minute. What, what do you consider to be the main problem in your life? Uh, or, you know, if you're someone who prays, like, what are the things that you just pray again, about again and again? Uh, Please take this away. You know, maybe it's like, I don't feel secure. I'm not financially secure. I don't know uh, what I'm doing with my life. Uh, I'm not dating anyone and I want to be. Uh, maybe you're like this man and you, you do have an illness. Or maybe a loved one is sick. Uh, maybe you think, people don't understand me. I'm alone. Or maybe you think, I don't have enough friends. And what I want us to see is that those are all real, just like this, this is, those are real problems. And God's heart breaks over those things. It, like, that's why Jesus heals so many people. It's just because his heart breaks over things like that. But the reason God's heart breaks over all those things is because he knows that they are what happen in a world where humanity rejects the God that created them. You know, all those things were not supposed to be that way. And God loves you too much to allow you to entertain the notion that if that thing got fixed, you'd be okay. You'd be set. Uh, Jesus knows that if he fixes this guy's legs and that's it, uh, you know, he might just like go on his merry way and never encounter God again. Uh, Because why would he need him? He can walk. Um, you know, like security 
getting a job, being financially secure, having a family, whatever it is for you, like those are all good things. But if God were to just give us the things we want when we want them, the result might be that we don't see our need for, we might just go about our way not addressing our main problem, problem the thing that is actually killing us. Uh, the problem is that we are not, our relationship with God is broken. And we're the reason it is, because we run away. Um, so Jesus, you know, Jesus isn't primarily here to heal. Like it says, he's there to teach. Uh, but uh, he's willing to be interrupted so that he can heal. Um, but he's there to teach. And he's there to teach about what God is like. So we learn something about what God is like in that uh, he has come to forgive. And that's where we get to the solution. So that's the pro- that's, we need to understand our problem, but we also need to receive his solution. And we see that kind of in, in this kind of verses 6 through 12 here in this interaction between Jesus and the other people. Um, and I want us to think about what it means that Jesus says your sins are forgiven. I want and imagine. Let's imagine a scenario here, okay? So let's imagine uh, after RUF ends, we all leave here, and uh, Tim, that's Tim over there, and Tim walks out. He drives over here, and so he walks out to his car, and he finds out that uh, as he was walking up, he sees Riley, and Riley is just in a rage. Uh, she and she's got her baseball bat out, and in a in a rage. She's walk- so Riley's walking back to her, her car, and uh, she's walking by Tim's car, and in her rage, she just, like, smashes the window out on Tim's car. Okay? Imagine that. And um, I could see it happening. Um, and imagine now, so imagine now that I walk up to Riley. So Tim's, like, kind of walking up, like, Riley, what the heck? And I walk up to Riley, and I say... Hey, I forgive you. Would Tim be satisfied with that? No. Uh, why? Because if anything, he's the one who gets to forgive, right? Because it was, the offense was against him. Um, okay, so for Jesus to say, for Jesus to forgive this man his sins means that all this man's sins were really against him. Like, that's what he's saying here when he says, your sins are forgiven. Um, in other words, Jesus is, Jesus is saying, I'm the creator who made you like everyone else. And, uh, you know, you've all been running away from me. And I, your sins are now forgiven. And there's religious leaders there, these scribes. Uh, and the religious leaders are always in opposition to Jesus in these Gospels. And they're thinking, like, this is blasphemy. They, they get it. They get the implications of what Jesus said, but they won't accept it. And Jesus uh, knows what they're thinking. And they're thinking, like, you know, he's saying he's God. That's not possible because he's a man. And so Jesus asked them a question. He says, well, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and pick up your bed and go home? And I think about that question, which is easier? It's kind of easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Because, like, 
that's invisible. You can't prove it that it happened or not. Uh, and it's harder to say, take up your bed and walk because that would take a miracle, right? Like you would have to actually be able to raise someone up and make them walk. And if, if, if he didn't, then Jesus would immediately be exposed. But on a deeper level, it's harder to forgive sins because only God can forgive. So Jesus is saying, I am, this would mean I'm God if I can forgive your sins. And because forgiveness always costs something. There's always a cost to forgiving. And this is where a lot of people object to Christianity. And they, you know, maybe you've thought this way or heard people talk about, well, I don't like the sacrifice part of Christianity, right? Isn't this barbaric, like a guy nailed to the cross? Um, isn't that like, why can't God just forgive? Why all the blood? Why, like all this stuff about blood in the Bible, why can't God just forgive? And what they're not understanding is that no one can just forgive. Like there's no, you can't just forgive because forgiveness always has a cost that must be paid. Think about Riley and Tim, right? Riley smashing Tim's window, right? Like how's that going to get fixed? Well, it would either be like, Riley pays because she did it or Tim if Tim were to forgive like he would have to pay like that window is not going to magically appear again unless one of them pays or Tim can bear the cost of just riding around without a window for the rest of his life but no matter what someone has to pay when a wrong has been done um So when Jesus asks the scribes this question, he's thinking about cosmic sin. He's thinking about rejecting the creator, uh, the one who loves you, who pursues you in love. And he's thinking about rejecting him and going off on your own. And in verse 10 and 11, Jesus says uh, that that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turns to the paralytic and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he does. And in that moment, this is what Jesus has done. He's shown, first of all, yeah, I can forgive sins. Did you see that paralyzed man walk? I can do that because I am the one that all sin is actually against. But what it points to is a payment of the cost. It points to that he is going to have to pay for this. That, and it's, not, it's the cosmic, the infinite cost of rejecting God. Uh, for Jesus to forgive sins means he's going to have to go ultimately to the cross to pay. And he does. Like, we're going to get, like, this gospel is moving us to the cross where Jesus pays the cost. Uh, What are you carrying with you today? Like, what weight of sin did you walk in with today? Maybe it's, you know, my life is really a mess and I can see it and it's my fault. Or maybe it's, you know, uh, I keep on screwing this one thing up and I can't get it right. Or maybe it's, you know, I try to be loving and kind and it comes out mean. Like there's something 
you know, what, what is it for you? Or I, I did this thing a long time ago and it still haunts me to this day. I want you to look at Jesus here as these religious scribes are his enemies. Like they're the ones who are going to send him to be killed. And yet here he is pleading with them to believe. He's pleading them to, with them to see what's true, okay? And the cost, like, the cost for us is death. The cost is to be cast out. Like, if, if what we have done by sinning against God is to essentially say, God, no thanks, you, I don't want you, I'm going to go my own way, then the cost of that is for God to say, okay, go. Be gone, Go and see what a life without me is like. Go and see what eternity without me is like. And so that's the price, that's the cost that Jesus ultimately pays. On the cross, that's what Jesus experiences. And all in, all in this moment like of agony and horror, as he suffocates to death, what he's experiencing is the eternal cost of sin. Because it's the only way that our sin can be removed. And when our sin is removed, our relationship with God is restored. You get connected again. And I want you to think about what will that look like? Being connected to God. It will look like resilience and joy, even in difficult circumstances. Uh, if you were around last year, we looked at the, Paul's letter to the Philippians, and he's just overflowing with joy. He's in prison, but he's joyful uh, in spite of his circumstances. Uh, it'll look like peace from worry. Uh, If you're like me, then you struggle with worry. And the more we're connected to this Jesus, uh, the more that we'll see, you know what? Would a God like that pull the rug out from under me? Like, is is that the kind of God that I know? Um, It'll look like beginning to listen and obey, listen to and obey God, even when it seems crazy, even when it costs you. Uh, Because a love like this is too good. So how do you connect to God? Uh, The answer is you can't do it on your own. Like you could never just connect. You could never go off and connect. But the good news is Jesus does it for us. He lays down his life. And the cross is something you can put all your weight on. You can just collapse on the cross. And that's what it means to be connected. If you do that, you will be connected. And to be connected is to be set free. It's to have life. And so uh, let me just close by praying for us that that's what would happen. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, desperately need you to help us because we are uh, very quick to uh, believe lies about who you are and to go our own ways Uh, to forget about your compassion and uh, seek life elsewhere. And so we pray that you would uh, connect us to you, that we would find life uh, in the midst of uh, all that we struggle with uh, as we fall on the cross, uh, as we rest in Jesus. I pray that you would work that transformation in our hearts tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
All right, guys, let's stand for our last song. (laughs) 